Hey everyone, it's Andrew Claven. You are about to listen to the best show at the Daily Wire, not named the Andrew Claven Show, and that's Daily Wire backstage. Myself, Ben Shapiro, Michael Knowles sit down to discuss politics, religion, the culture, basically everything you've ever wanted to hear about on a show. Take a listen. Fake laugh in three, two, two and a half, one. (laughs) (laughs) Welcome to Daily Wire Backstage. We are here tonight with Ben Shapiro, Andrew Clavin, Matt Walsh. I am not the God King, Jeremy Boring. I am Michael Knowles. Jeremy is in the jungles of Burma searching for the finest cacao beans that exist for the most delicious Jeremy's chocolate. Today's show is sponsored by ExpressVPN. Do you like your web history being seen and sold to advertisers? No, me neither. Get ExpressVPN right now at expressvpn.com slash backstage. We've got a great member block coming up. If you're not a member of Daily Wire yet, what are you doing? Sign up become a member of the inner circle, the creme de la creme. We'll be answering a lot of questions down there after this. I have to tell you, fellas, heavy is the neck that wears the key. <laughs> so, uh, how, you know, did, the, how did you get this promotion? Can I just ask that? He we never had any okay. conversation Would you let me explain this? You, uh, I can totally explain, explain you this. You ready? Okay. Yeah. Dude's a Nepo baby. <laughs> He's clearly a Nepo baby. Okay, can I give you the career trajectory of the person who sits to my right? Here's his career trajectory here at the Daily Wire. Hired as head of social media and marketing. Mm-hmm. He then spent the entire time as head of social media and marketing, not doing social media and marketing, but instead fielding audition calls yep. for TV shows and movies that never were actually filmed. Yep. Yeah, he that's, fa- that's true. He, he then Unfortunately, fa- one of them was filmed. That's a story. Yeah, that's that's a whole different thing. <laughs> and, then, uh, and then failed upward into having a show and now has failed upward into inheriting this, hey, this seat. That's right not here. fair, Ben. You forgot my 2017 number one national best-selling blank book, blurbed by you. Blurbed by me. So I'm to blame. And while he had these cushy jobs at L.A., Mm -hmm. I was literally in my car in a parking garage doing a webcam video. Well, listen, uh, you still are. You're just running away from the trans activist now. He did do my tweets. He did do my tweets. (laughs) That's true. He did my tweets, and he did an imitation of me so good that I used to read his tweets to find out what I sounded like. (laughs) Well, I I actually don't. I don't know how much longer I'm going to be here because I think we should be really? honest. Well, yeah, we have to be honest because the real reason Jeremy's not here is because he has been indicted. Uh, the God <laughs> King, uh, along well, he's with... He's got my the, vote, damn it. <laughs> the, the leader of the political opposition, in that love him, hate him, feel neutral. No one feels neutral about him. Donald Trump has been indicted. That's Is that crossing the Rubicon? Well, I mean... It seems uh, there. How many men, how many Rubicons do we get to cross here? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, how many rivers are there? Before you I mean, know? we're now living in uh, you know this, just more evidence that we're living in a simulation since about 2013. But uh, yeah, I mean, this is in, in political terms, it is the breaking of the break glass in case of emergency for the Democrats. I, I really think that it's a, a bit of political maneuvering by the Democrats for a variety of reasons. It's basically all wins for them here. If Trump gets indicted and if he gets arrested and he gets charged and he gets convicted, they get their big win, which is what they always wanted, which is Donald Trump behind bars. If he gets acquitted, then they just claim that Donald Trump is super corrupt and that's how he was able to get out of it. 
they're also jogging Republicans into voting for them in the primaries, which is obviously what they want. I mean, the me members of the media are not being shy about this. They're just saying it out loud now that they, they want Trump as the nominee because they think, for better or for worse for them, they may be wrong, they think he's the most beatable. And they also get the ratings out of it. They're making tons of money, which is why you saw them today covering Donald Trump's plane, leaving Florida and going to New York like it was the Ford Bronco and OJ was, was in the back. I mean, it really was. It was like on every channel, it's a plane, a plane that is moving slightly. And like, wow, look at that plane. It's a plane and it's made of plane. And it's a, and, but in, in reality, what, they, what they've done now is this will be the new norm. Whatever Democrats do becomes the norm. So back when Harry Reid was the Senate Majority Leader and he decided to kill the filibuster, it was only a few years until we were now putting in place a Republican nominee with a sheer majority having killed the judicial filibuster. So if the new standard is you get to prosecute the political opposition, do you think there won't be a DA who's going to prosecute Joe Biden after he leaves office or a DA who's going to prosecute Hunter Biden as well, soon as have, he moves? have a lot of time to prosecute Joe, so that uh, must be uh, Hunter, yeah. <laughs> it, but, might, it might be, you know, post post. <laughs> that seems a little opt I I hope that's correct, but that seems a little <laughs> optimistic to me. I'm not sure if the, uh, I mean, that's generally the Republicans, when it comes to something like this, the Rubicon is crossed and Republicans say, well, if we do it, then they're just going to escalate it even more. So we're not going to act. It's hard yeah, it, it, you know, if we were hypothetically to do this thing, they would hypothetically do to us what they are already right, exactly. actually, actually doing. doing. Right. Yeah. Uh, although I have to say, this is bad. You know, I mean, it is. That's terrible. When you, when you say you've broken this, what is it, like 230 year precedent and we don't know what's in the indictment. We, nobody's read the indictment. But it better be so bad. I mean, the guy better have machine gunned like his political enemies in a garage somewhere. What I don't understand. If he had, he wouldn't be prosecuted. Yeah, they, New they, York. Not, not in New York. Yeah, yeah. That's, right. he could have, that's the irony. He literally could have <laughs> yeah. shot somebody on Fifth <laughs> Avenue. <laughs> and he would not have been prosecuted. Yeah. It is true. What, what I don't understand is the charge is that he paid off Stormy Daniels in 2016. Correct. And, and that this was an improper campaign contribution. But... And they're comparing it to, say, John Edwards or somebody like that. Mm. But in this case, didn't Trump use his own money? So if, if it's right. any so kind of contribution, wrote on isn't... on top of the check, on the, you know, that little thing on the check where it says, what's it for? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> okay, so, so, the actual, okay, so the actual case that is being made against him is a novel political theory. So basically, a novel legal theory. First of all, let me just say his taste, if, if, if indeed Stormy Daniels did have an affair with him, his taste in women is, as always, impeccable. But, it's, <laughs> uh, but putting that aside... The actual legal case here is goes something like this. They're claiming falsification. There are 34 counts. They're claiming at least falsification of business records. The idea being that he hid on his legal records for tax return purposes this payment. But that's a misdemeanor in New York. Misdemeanors in New York expire after two years. This would have happened back in 2016. So statute of limitations would have run. If it was a campaign finance violation in the state of New York, statute of limitations is five years. So the so statute of limitations still would have run. So in order for them to spin this into a federal into a, a charge that withstands the statute of limitations, they have to claim that it is a misdemeanor violation of federal, uh, of, of records law, but it's linked to a crime that survives the statute of limitations, namely federal campaign finance law. So the claim is that he bribed Stormy Daniels to shut her pie hole, and he did it right before the election, and he did it through Michael Cohen as a cutout, and it should have been reported as a federal campaign contribution. If he had reported it, like on his forms, yeah. if he had said like federal campaign contribution to Stormy Daniels to keep her pie hole closed. <laughs> if he had done that, 
no problem. But because he did it personally, this is a way of avoiding federal campaign finance law. So he falsified the business record in order to avoid federal campaign finance law. Now, that's a really weird theory because, again, that's a federal crime that should theoretically be prosecuted at the federal level. And they're trying to wrap a state level crime that should have already expired into the federal crime in order to make it survive the statute of limitations. Even The New York Times says this is a novel legal theory. Hmm. Even Cyrus Vance, who was the former DA in Manhattan, says this is who did not prosecute him, says this is a novel legal theory. The federal government did not prosecute him when the federal government was looking at this stuff under both, you know, while, while it was Trump's DOJ, but, you know, obviously he wasn't in charge of his own DOJ. <laughs> uh, and, uh, and while it was Biden's DOJ as well, none of this really came up for debate. And so the question is, like, what is new that has arisen? And the answer so far is nothing. It's also reliant. That gets to the evidentiary weaknesses of the case. It's reliant on the testimony of essentially two people. One, Stormy Daniels, because Trump denies that he ever had an affair with Stormy Daniels right. in the first place. But there's a letter from her also kind of denying it. But also she was seeking mm. money for it for, for years, right? So there was that. So she's not like the world's best witness. And then the other witness is, of course, Michael Cohen. He's already been convicted of being a liar. So these are not exactly like wildly <laughs> locked down charges. The thing that Alvin Bragg is counting on is something very, very simple. This is a Manhattan jury. End of story. They're going to convict him, right? And then, unless he gets to change the venue, they will. Unless, unless he gets to change. I was talking to Alan Dershowitz today. And Dershowitz, of course, has been, you know, sort of working with the defense team for, for Trump. And Dershowitz was saying that Trump is going to file for a change of venue to Long Island or, or to Staten Island or like somewhere else that is not Manhattan. <laughs> and, and that if that if that does not happen, then the chances that he is convicted are very, very high. Now, the chances that he goes to jail are still fairly low because, again, the, the penalty for this, they're going to attach a bunch of they're, they're going to charge 34 things and hope they get one. Right. Uh, theoretically, he gets probation or something. But it won't matter. If he spends five minutes behind bars, then the idea for the left is that they have, they have won. And again, I think this is only the beginning. I think that now, that now that Bragg has done this, the taboo on doing this is now over. So I think the chances are significantly higher that the DA in Fulton County ends up indicting him on charges of trying to obstruct the, the 2020 election in Georgia. I think there, that's the chance there, that they're There are all kinds of things that could happen, though, that would be incredibly beneficial to Trump's uh, candidacy, at least in the primaries. I mean, he could, this case could be thrown out of court. I, you know, the, the, the other the thing, one of the things... That's the worst really, thing that happens to him. What's that? That's the worst thing that happens to him. Oh, I don't think so. The best thing in the primaries? Time, right? yeah, Living in the primaries? Yeah, I think well, it's a win. No, it's a win. No, in the primaries, the longer this goes on, the better for him. Because I, the, his, but it's, his, it's, all, it's all wins for Trump. Right. I, I'm saying that if this, if this goes out of the headlines, people forget about it in four months. If this doesn't get thrown out of court and this lasts as it's expected to all the way through the election... Republican voters are going to correctly see this as a political prosecution, and then they are going to vote for him. I'm, I'm asking sure, you to see it in the polling. I'm data. not sure I agree with this. I, I, I understand that idea, and you may, you may be right. And one of the things that bothers me about this is because nobody knows what's going to happen. You want to bring a, an actual charge, not a novel theory, especially a theory about something that Hillary Clinton was charged, did exactly the same thing, covering up and misregistering a payoff to her lawyers to get the Steele report, which was then passed illegally to the FBI, who then used it wrongly. I mean, so all of that, and she got fined for it. So all of that. But, you know, it, it is tawdry. And if it goes on and if it drags on, Trump is now out of control. Trump now lo- no longer, I mean, I say now out of control as if he were in control before, but he was more in control before. He was focused on speaking for the people who felt they had not been spoken for. That was his great genius. That was the thing that made Trump Trump in the first election. Now he doesn't talk about anything but the fact that he, you know, that he's been robbed. And and that gets very boring. It becomes a kind of Lenny Bruce scenario of him standing out there reading the charges, the transcripts against him, where you just start to kind of fade away. 
I don't know. I think if this drags on, it actually could start to hurt Trump. I'm not, I'm not as sure as you are about, about that. But if it's thrown out of court, it's another Trump victory the way he has done uh, I think that over and over again. The case that Trump has to make, is, because I agree with you, the, the risk is that uh, his entire campaign becomes entirely about his own vindication, yeah. and then it's not about the, the little man anymore, right. uh, the American people. But So he has to keep making the case that you know they're coming after me means they're coming after you, which I think he, he does. But after a while, you know, how long can you uh, continue that? You know, my, my thing with this is, is obviously, yeah, they're looking for a reason to charge him. And we all know that if his name was Donald Smith or whatever, they wouldn't be doing it. If we li- the only way I'd be okay with this is if we lived in a, if this is an alternate universe and we lived in a country where we hated politicians so much that we were constantly looking for ways to get, to put all of them in prison. Right. And so we're always breaking up new crimes. Yeah. For put- <laughs> Instead of yeah. dancing on the, with the stars. Right. It's like <laughs> that world, I'd like to live in that world. That sounds great. And that, that would mean that Trump is just like number 1,000 in a line of politicians <laughs> that go to jail. But this is the, the one time where the system has shown any interest in holding any of these people accountable. And it's for the most ticky tacky. Well, the DA came into office literally saying, I will prosecute Donald Trump. And when you do that and then you go prosecute Donald Trump, it obviously is a political hit on him. And again, I, I have a hard time believing that Democrats don't know this quite well. Like, I, I don't think that they, I think they are corrupt and I think that they are, they are bad, but I do not think they are stupid. I think right. that, no. that the, the, this checks a bunch of boxes for them. And again, the polls show what the polls show. And what the polls show is that whenever Trump is hit with something like this, whether it's the FBI raid at Mar-a-Lago or whether it's this, that there is an immediate rally around the Trump effect that obviates all, all other candidates. Now, as you say, it may age poorly. It may be that in three months, nobody wants to talk about this again. And I, I could see that because, again, the, the public sort of mind shifts after about four days on every single topic. But if it seems like there's another indictment coming down every five minutes against this guy, and it feels like the Democrats have decided to train every ounce of fire they have on him, then the natural reaction for the Republican base is going to be, this is the person that we need to that we need to get behind. And, and you're seeing that. This is one thing that I, I, I've sensed. Okay? And again, everybody knows my feelings about Trump, right? I mean, I'm at best. You love very, him. I'm, he's very handsome. Love him. He's yeah. I mean, I, I voted for him in 2020. If he's the nominee, I will very likely vote for him again in 2024. But in terms of personal character, I have great ambivalence about Donald Trump as a human being. And I don't think that his general habit is worthwhile paying off porn stars or, or actually, believe it or not, sleeping with them while your wife is pregnant. I think these are bad <laughs> ideas, just generally speaking in life. But put all of that aside. The general sense in the Republican electorate is that people really, really like Ron DeSantis. They like a lot of what he's doing. They like, they like that he is winning over there. They like a lot of his policies, but they want to love Trump. They want to. Mm-hmm. They want to. And even when they don't, they want to. And they're waiting for the moment to feel that again. And it feels like that pretty much everything Trump does, right? When he went to Ohio and he was, and he was talking to the, the folks in um, East Palestine. In, in, uh, in, uh, East Palestine. Palestine. Right. The, the outpouring of sort of love for him and support for him in the aftermath of that, which was basically just a simple political slam dunk. It really was. I mean, like he did it great. It was, it was wonderful and yeah. good for him, windmill jam. But it was not like- And Biden didn't do it. Which right, and Biden didn't do it. But again, all credit to Trump for doing the thing that, that he could do and good. But yeah. the, the outpouring of support for him so far surpassed anything that would have been for any other Republican candidate. It's hard to overcome that if you're any other candidate, especially when Trump is at the center of the news, which is, I think, why so many members of the Democratic Party, again, believing that Trump is the most beatable Republican, are, are making him the center of the story yeah. again. And, you know, we'll have to see also whether big tech even allows us to talk about the case. Speaking of which. So smooth. We are living in an wow. era of tyranny. The Internet is at the frontier of a battle for control. When powerful interests want to push their agenda, who's to say they couldn't get big government and big tech to silence any voice that doesn't fit their narrative? Well, I mean, they do that like all the time. Americans are being forced to give up the very thing that makes us great, our freedom of speech. Well, I don't like when my voice is censored and I use ExpressVPN. You should do the exact same thing. In order to censor you, big tech tracks what you're doing online. 
what you're searching for, the videos you watch, everything you click. They match that activity to your true identity. They use your device's unique IP address. But ExpressVPN masks your IP address, so Big Tech can't link your online activity to your actual identity, making it that much harder for them to censor you. Plus, it encrypts 100% of your network traffic to protect you from hackers and eavesdroppers on that network. ExpressVPN is really easy to use. I love that no matter what device I'm on, the app literally has one button, which is about my speed. You tap it, you're protected. It's that simple. Even Drew could use it. Don't give big tech the power to control your information. Protect yourself at expressvpn.com slash backstage. Get three extra months free while you're at it. That is expressvpn.com slash backstage, expressvpn.com slash backstage to learn more. So I totally agree. I totally agree on your point that when Trump was in East Palestine, it was the best he's looked because, to your point, Matt, he was not talking about himself. <laughs> he was talking about somebody else. Everyone loved it. And th I think that the, the other thing that Trump is playing on right now is just contrast with the rest of the field and the rest of the GOP. He's been releasing these policy videos and whether you love the policy, whether you hate the policy, whether you think Trump even loves the policy, he's come out and said, everyone else wants free trade, I want protectionism. I, he, he used the phrase mercantilism for the 21st century. He, he, you know, everyone is saying we want victory in Ukraine. He's saying I want a negotiated peace, get, get rid of the war. Uh, these are, he's drawing a clear distinction with the rest of the field, and his numbers are looking good. His numbers are, are way up. Are you up. really going to try to spin this into Donald Trump on policy? They, yes. No, no, no. But, 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 but it's, it's, a fair, it's a fair point. You know, the only, no, it isn't. The, he's been attacking uh, Ron DeSantis as Charlie Crist is a great governor of well, Florida, and I'm never going to reform entitlement. No, my, on, my on only the other side yeah. of this, on yeah. the other side of this, as the first person in this organization to announce that he was voting for Donald Trump, right? The first person to I'm sick of him. And I, yeah. I got to be honest, and I get hit by this, by, you know, people are writing into me and they're angry at me, but I'm, I'm really tired. The guy has become who they said he was, and he was not always who they, you know, he actually had an idea. Yeah, he was the guy at the end of the bar who saw things differently. He saw things the way that people saw them. The people had been just excoriated by the elites for 50 years, and he spoke up for them, which nobody on the Republican side had thought to do since Reagan. I mean, it really was yeah. a, a big deal. But now he's just lost that. Maybe he can get it back. Maybe he can recover. And as you say, if he's the nominee, yeah, will I vote for him? Of course I will, because I'm not going to vote for a bunch of baby-killing, child-butchering you know, uh, butchering <laughs> maniacs. You know? but, but still, still, I, there's something about him that is not, he's not the man he was. Well, I mean, well, so one, one question, I think, is going to be, again, how many iterations of the he's being victimized narrative come yeah. up? Because, the, because a good question. Yeah. if that keeps coming up, it's going to generate support. So one of those... Question is going to be, for example, I think whatever's happening now is really bad. It's going to get exponentially worse if they issue a gag order on him. Yeah. If they put a gag order on this case, that is going to be such a disaster. Because then they the could put him in jail, right? Uh, no, it's, no. So if he violates the gag order, yes, theoretically right. they could. Yeah, yeah. But yep. I'm not even talking about if he violates it. The simple fact, if they, if they seal the indictment and then put a gag order on him as to what's going on in court, the amount of illegitimacy that people are going to suspect inside the system is extraordinary, and they're not going to be wrong. Can he go to the Supreme Court with that? Isn't that a Yes, he, he, yeah. he can appeal that. He can send it up the chain. Um, but then the problem becomes, let's say the Supreme Court overrules the gag order. So yeah. what does the left immediately say? Then the left immediately says, oh, it's a Republican Supreme Court appointed by Donald Trump. They were all supposed to recuse themselves from this case. Right? It's, it's like a full-scale disaster area. A the, the thing that, that should happen here is full transparency, obviously. But that's also the thing that the left has no interest in <laughs> in any of these circumstances. Right. They wonder why conspiracy theories are blooming like wildflowers in the summer. And that's the reason. It's right. because you guys won't let us know what the hell is going on. So if they gag order this case and they say Donald Trump isn't, first of all, there's no way he sticks to a gag order. He immediately starts starts spilling whatever's going on in the courtroom. But if they gag order this thing and they tell him you're not allowed to talk about it, 
like all the wild conspiracy theories are going to be at least three quarters justified. Yep. It's going to be like you don't want us to see what's going on in that courtroom while you prosecute the leader of the opposition and the former president of the United States and perhaps the future president of the United States. It's it's truly a a mad escapade here. So well, since the last time we met, there there have been a number of other candidates who have declared or strongly signaled. Their Asa Hutchinson. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. right. Oh, how, how, baby. Can he, how can you miss? Yeah. Do we do we think it, we're only talking about Trump and DeSantis? Is is that it, or do any yes, of these? That's what I think. That's yeah. it. I think I think that's it. I think because wow. I think that's where the party is. I think that actually is where the people, the voters are. And, and DeSantis hasn't even declared. Well, I mean, Nikki Haley is Nikki yeah. Yeah. Vivek, and she would be in two thousand seven. She would have been a a really compelling candidate. Right. But, I mean uh, the. I think what the Republican public wants, and hopefully what they will get, is a, is a two-person race. Because I don't think what anyone wants, whether you're a DeSantis backer or a Trump backer, I don't think what a lot of people want at all is anybody emerging from this primary with 37% of the vote as the nominee. Right. Yeah. I think that, 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 is, that is like the worst case scenario. Is, is I would rather have Trump just beat DeSantis straight up than have the field split eight ways from Sunday and everybody earns 7% of the vote and Trump walks away with 31% of the vote. I just don't do think, think that- Do you think they've learned to drop out as, like gentlemen and gentle ladies at this point? Or do you think- I, I think there's- the ego- I, I think politicians, I mean, you've met these, you've met politicians. <laughs> yeah. Politicians are at least 92.8% delusional. Yeah. All of them think that they were, were going to be- the rest is ego. Yeah, yeah that's right. <laughs> <laughs> and the rest are dead. They, yeah. they, like they, 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 Every politician I've ever met who's in a position of significant power thinks that they were born to be president of the United States. And so since they were five, they've been dreaming about this moment. And this is their moment. Like, do you know what kind of delusion it takes to be Asa Hutchinson and think to yourself, as the former governor of Arkansas, with 0% support in the polls. Best known for transing the kids, I was going to say, This is my moment. Right now is the moment that everyone is begging for some Asa right now. One point I want to make about the politics of this thing with Trump is that I kind of disagree with maybe a lot of people on this, because the the message from Trump and from most conservatives is that, th- that Trump is the first. This, no this has never happened to anyone before. Trump is the first. And so that should be the message. Like he's kind of the, uh, he's the, you know, the, the threshold that they're crossing. And that's true in a certain way. He's the first president that they're doing this to. But I think a more powerful message from him should be, I'm not the first. I'm, I'm actually just another in a line mm. that's been screwed by the system. And, that to actually, and, and then to, to point out and say, listen, they're doing this to me. Fortunately, I'm Donald Trump. I have the ability to fight back, and I've got all your support. But think about, you know, Mark Houck, the, the, the mm-hmm. pro-lifer in Pennsylvania who had federal agents drag him out of his house in front of his kids at 7 o'clock in the morning because he was, he was protesting outside of an abortion clinic. I mean, the system has been doing a version of this to people for a very long time. Um, and for Trump to use his situation to call attention to that, I think it would be really powerful. That'd be so that'd out of be, character. Uh, you, he could, should hire you to. He saw that. Be so right. out of It'd be out of character, but it's it's that's the. Here's the reason why. If I had to put money on it today, I would say that Trump is the nominee. Yeah, I, and, I agree. I agree. And against you know my my wishes, because again, if this is a two person race and it's DeSantis versus Trump, I will vote for DeSantis. If the at, at this point in time, barring some sort of other cataclysmic circumstance, it, the, the reason that I think Trump has the advantage at this point is because Drew, this is Drew. Drew this is your point. I'm going to steal it from you, and then I'm going to ask you to to expand upon it. And that is, this is, it's something Alan Estrin said, this is Donald Trump's story, man. We're all just living in Donald Trump's story. Like from a narrative point of view, that gun had to come off the mantelpiece. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right? Like, they, like yeah. They, they've, been, they've been begging for years that they were going to prosecute him. He had to be prosecuted. Like there was just no way that we were going to get through this entire plot line. Of course. Without Donald Trump being prosecuted. Yeah. And if that's the case, if in fact there is some sort of, if it, not because like we're all living in a novel, but because novels tend to reflect kind of general principles right. about how the world works. If the idea is that this is a plot and we're all in the middle of this plot, 
This plot doesn't end before Trump gets the nomination. And, and the other thing about characters in stories is the audience has to identify with them. You can make the audience identify with a murderer if you tell the story right. So this, what's happening to Donald Trump is what's happening to a lot of people on the right. They're being knocked off Twitter for saying a man can't become a woman. They're having their job. They're take, their jobs are being taken away because they're saying things that are somehow outside the. They're left. facing now, ten years prison time for posting a meme on the internet. Right. You know, and they, and they see in England people being arrested for praying silently outside of uh, um, outside of an abortion clinic. They see a guy in Canada who gets attacked while the police look on because he had a billboard saying you can't become a man, can't become a woman. So Trump is those people. He is those people. And those people are all of us. So as a story, you're absolutely right. It's like his it's his story and his and his story is our story. And that's that's a really dangerous thing. So yeah. this is the craziest part of, of the, the then he could be anybody. The craziest part of the narrative. And I, I've been talking to so many of my friends about this in recent days. Would you have thought 10 years ago that what we would be arguing about right now as the national issue coming from the White House is not only can a man become a woman, but a little a little child can become the opposite sex. And it is immoral and, and deeply wrong for us not to pump that kid full of hormones and potentially castrate that child days, days after a transgender identifying woman shoots up a Christian school, targets and shoots up a Christian school in Nashville. The president of the United States says, we stand with the transgender community and hosts days of pro-transgender, pro-transing the kids events. So It's going to turn I, us all into to Walsh. So it I, is. I, <laughs> well, I, I, I will say that I think that this is, so yeah, as the person who, on the panel who just said, I think that Trump is the favorite for the nomination. This is where I would really urge people on my own side of the aisle to use your brains instead of your instead of your hearts. Pick the candidate who you think is likely to defeat these people. It doesn't matter what makes you feel good when you walk into the ballot box. What matters is whether we win. That's really what matters because there are serious ramifications to who wins and loses these elections. And it's not about your sense of, of personal fulfillment in how you vote. Your vote is not about making yourself feel good. That's how people voted for Barack Obama. Your vote is about defeating these people because their agenda is egregiously evil. Yeah. I mean, it really, really is. And what, what we're watching right now is a left that feels, it, they're feeling their oats. They feel, they, they are fully confident that they are in the ascendancy and that they're never going to lose again. This is the same thing that we got in 2013 after Barack Obama won re-election. It's the same sense of inevitability from the left that we are going to be able to win every battle because that is the only way you explain them doing something as insane as making a central plank in the Democratic platform yeah. this. Now, again, I, I see all the philosophical reasons why they are resonating to this message because, again, it goes to their belief in individual autonomy is the only thing that matters, that sexual identity is the only thing that matters. Ultimate liberation. Ultimate liberation, that male and female are arbitrary categories that have to be destroyed for the, for the, for the full flourishing of humanity to, to break forth and so we can all be remolded by government and all the rest of that. I, I get all the philosophical reasons, but politically, it is the most inept, crazy thing I've ever seen to embrace the idea that transing the children is deeply necessary and important in the aftermath of a shooting, no less, when the White House, when he had Joe Biden on tape joking about ice cream in his first press conference after this awful shooting in Nashville. And then you had him saying, well, you know, if Josh, if Josh Halley says that it's not a, that it, it, may, it should be investigated as hate crime, I guess I, I guess I say the opposite. Like he would never talk that way after any other shooting about any other group of people except for Christians. But he but that's the way he's talking. about. That is political insanity of high order. And the only reason that Democrats are able to get away with this is because they are in complete confidence that they will not lose again. And, that and they, but, but that's untrue. I mean, obviously, I agree. But yeah. that, but but but. but 
th then I think the right has to be careful too, because we are we have a an unjustifiable confidence okay. that there is no way that they can lose that, I, I that they can win again, and that is a lie. They can absolutely win. They 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 have won before. They will win again. Pretending that they're that that they're the insanity and disgusting moral benightedness of their position is somehow going to defeat them yeah. is a lie. It's obviously untrue, which means you have to run candidates who are going to win. Stop voting based on your balls and start voting based on your brains. This is, you know, I, I do know still a lot of uh, liberal people, you know, people that I would say are left of center. You know, they may not be far left. They've had it with this stuff, but with the trans stuff, too. They, they, they you're saying this is not true. This is wrong. What they're doing to kids are wrong. But mention Trump and mm. they'll vote for it. The, and I think this is the, the problem. It's not that Trump will lose against them. I think he's the only candidate who even could lose against them. And I think under the circumstances, you're, I agree with you 100%. But, but then what are the they doing? Uh, so we're saying, yeah, they're dummies. Yeah, they're obsessed. Yeah, they, they, they've, they're following their- I don't think their, they're dumb. I don't uh, think they're dumb at all. You, so you think it's, but you're saying it's politically dumb to, to push this. Unless you think that you are going to win. And the reason unless you think you have total power. Well, and they, exactly. And they believe yeah. this. Michael, I mean, this is, this yep. is this, these theories, you know, you're right about it. These theories have been around since the 18th century. And so they're actually working this through. I mean, these the ideas take all do take centuries to play themselves out. Although they, they believe this. Stuff. I think, Matt, I want to get your take on this. I think there are sort of three categories of, of these folks. They're the true believers. Yeah. And those are like the, the intellects who have decided that this is the way that the world ought to be. And therefore it is. And then there are the commoners who are just doing it because they were told that they ought to do it. And then there are the people in the middle, and I think this is the vast bulk of the actual leadership of the Democratic Party, who don't believe a word of this stuff. Yeah. They don't actually believe a word of this stuff, but they know that by creating, uh, creating a demand for ritualistic obeisance to these things, that you are putting skin in the game and that you are demonstrating your fealty to the broader movement, right? I mean, just like every religion has things that you do, Nisim Nicholas Taleb says this in, in his book, Skin in the Game, is that most religious ritual, whether you believe that it's true or, or not, that what it effectually does is it creates skin in the game, right? The reason that I wear a yarmulke is because I'm demonstrating to people of my own religion that I'm an adherent to that religion and to everybody else that I'm an adherent to that religion. And we do these social signals like throughout our lives. We do things that signal that we are members of the in-group. The more demanding and crazy the thing you demand of somebody, the more they are part of the in-group and the more you have them essentially by the short hairs, right? I mean, you, you can now boss them around. If you can get somebody to do something totally nuts, like put their pronouns in their Twitter bio, you can tell them to do anything. They've, they've signaled that they are now a member of your crew. And I think that that's what this is about. For, for a lot of these folks, for the deconstructionists, they don't actually believe the things they're saying, but they know that it's about power. And if they can get an entire society to buy into the idea that Dylan Mulvaney is actually a woman, yeah. what can't they get you to do? I think, I think those are exactly the right categories. And that third category is, is most of them in the Democrat Party. And the way you know that is that most of these people are, you know, Joe Biden is 150 years old, <laughs> and he just started talking about this stuff a few years ago, what did you believe up to that point? I've been waiting for, of course, no one in the media is ever going to ask this, but it'd be nice if just one, I'd, I'd been waiting for someone to get a chance to ask one of these people, you know, you decided five years ago that actually women have penises. What made you decide that? What, what convinced you to abandon this, this basic belief you had your entire life? And, but of course, they were never, they were never convinced. The other point I want to make about the, the shooting is that if I can get a little bit of credit for being one of the early ones to understand the trans phenomenon and its centrality to the culture war, then maybe people will, will take me seriously when I say this next part, which is that the shooting that we saw in Nashville is, it is the tip of an iceberg. I mean, it's the beginning of something. I really believe that. The, what people have to understand is that, and, and some of us who've been in this, this fight for a while know some things that go on behind the scenes that, that we can't, I can't even talk about for security reasons, but these trans activists are incredibly vicious, hateful, violent. They, they believe they're entitled to do 
whatever they want to do, whatever they feel like they need to do uh, to people that oppose them. They, actually, they are true believers, of course. They really do believe. When they talk about genocide, they believe it. They really believe it. Because they, to them, their self-perception of themselves is, is the only reality that matters. And so if you say something that calls into question their self-perception, if you're not affirming them, then you're basically killing them. You're killing their perception of themselves, which is the same thing as killing them, as far as they're concerned. And so they think that they're, that they're entitled to, uh, to lash out violently. And that's why we need to see this, this manifesto, because I, I think what it's going to show in clear detail is, is how this rhetoric, and remember this shooter, from what we've been told, she started identifying as trans relatively recently. So she got sucked into this cult and became violently radical in it within a short period of time well, do, do you know because the, of this, this, this rhetoric. The whole transgender transition, as you say, it's, it's a cult, and this is a cult-like ritual. It's a, it's a ritual kind of suicide in that you are killing the person that you have been. And in fact, they use the term, literally, dead name, to refer to the person that they have been, who they are ritually killing, to take on a new persona with a new body, with a new identity. And so the stakes are very, very high. And if, and if, as you, if for instance, just hypothetically, one were to say that we ought to no longer believe in the ideology of transgenderism, as a matter of public life, they would accuse you of genocide for doing. I'm <laughs> no, speaking on, hypothetically no. here. Yes, no one would say something. No, no one would ever be ever. so foolish yeah. as to suggest such a thing. But, but the the stakes of that are very, very high. And I think to your point, Ben, you said it very well. It's part of this broader uh, liberal movement, which is to liberate people one from the political order, two from social mores, three from the moral order, four from the family, mm -hmm. five yeah. from your body to separate the self right. from the body, to, to literally to separate yourself from yourself. And then ultimately the last frontier there is transhumanism, right? Which all of the elites are talking about. This is not some secret agenda. You're hearing about it from Silicon Valley, from Yuval Harari, from the World Economic Forum, which is that we're going to overcome even humanity yes. itself mm -hmm. and, and men shall be as gods. You know, have I heard that before? Yeah. You know, there's an, an excellent documentary on uh, Netflix now, uh, Waco. Have you guys seen this? Mm -hmm. it's, it, they have incredible interviews with the people who are at Waco following this guy, Koresh, who said he was Jesus Christ, the second coming, and, and people believed him. And there are people there who have now grown up, who were young people at the time, who are now grown up, who still believe that their Messiah was taken away from them. And it's just, you know, there's a, there's a law in logic that if your premise is false, then your conclusion will necessarily be correct. You know, so if, you know, if, if Knowles can fly, then the sky is green is, is an actual true statement. But the opposite is also true at the same time, that if your premise is false, everything you say will make sense but also be false. And I think that, that is the system, that's the reason they're so violent. They're at war with reality. Reality is going to come back. It's not, well, it, doesn't take you, it doesn't take you to tell them that they're not what they say they are. It, they know they're not what th they say. This is also a now growth. I mean, it, it's, a, it's a narrower symptom of a broader movement that's been percolating for at least 10 to 15 years, and that is the sort of microaggression movement. This is the ultimate apotheosis well, of that, right? I mean, this is something that Jonathan Haidt talked about a long time ago, because what he, he talked about this in Coddling of the American Mind with Greg Lukianoff was, was basically the idea that when you keep teaching people the opposite of cognitive behavioral therapy, right? When, when people are depressed or upset, and you tell them the reason you're depressed and upset is not because you need to change the way that you're addressing the world. It's because the world has to change to adjust to you. And everybody who does not grant you your premise about the world is doing an act of violence to you, right? Microaggression, this is what they say, not me, that the, the very language of microaggressions suggests that the proper response is macroaggression, right? If somebody microaggresses you, you macroaggress them. When, when people say things like, they're about to genocide us, 
then it shouldn't be that much of a shock when there are people who are cracked in that population who take that incredibly literally yeah. and then go and do awful, awful things. And again, I'm not going to say that every person who espouses transgender ideology is responsible for the murder of school children in, in Christian schools. And any more than I'm going to say that that Bernie Sanders' ideology is responsible for shooting up a, uh, or, or I don't like saying names of shooters, so I apologize for that, but but the, the shooter in the, the congressional baseball game. Um, I'm not going to say that, but I will say that when you raise the temperature this much, and I've, this, this I have said, when you raise the temperature, when your rhetoric inherently has to raise the temperature this much, that means that your movement is going to be more dangerous than other comparable movements. And and this is one thing that you are certainly seeing right now. And when, when you see the entire federal government activating behind that message, that's what's that, that's deeply disturbing. Not only are they really saying that disturbing. it's that it's, that it's oh, yeah. genocidal, yeah. they're now saying that you're threatening children. You're threatening children. So it, it, it's the it's the highest form of gaslighting I've ever seen. So, you know, we we all have have children, and the idea that the true threat to children is not allowing people to shoot them full of hormones and cut off their genitals yeah. is so insane. It's so backwards and perverse that you'd have to be you know, on the far left to believe it. But the entire federal government is now promoting this with your taxpayer dollars and flying flags above government buildings. I said on the show today, when I was growing up, there were only three flags that generally flew above government buildings. There was the American flag, your state flag, and the POW MIA sometimes. Right. Mm-hmm. That was it. I can't even think of another situation in which another flag flew. But now it's the flag of the liberal empire, which yeah, is I mean, the that, that really is what it is. And, and the idea is that you must obey. I mean, yeah. again, this is where, Matt, you're, you're very right when you, when you said before and we can disagree on the iterations, but when you've said before that that civility is the enemy of truth in these cases, that is very often correct because what the left likes to do with this sort of thing is they say, if you are civil, you will go along with what we are saying. They are not calling for civility. They are calling for surrender. And they're very obvious about this. Civility is, a, is, is their way of getting you to surrender. If you're just nice, if you're just nice, if you just went along with it, what harm does it do to you? Mm-hmm. What harm does it do to you? <laughs> and then the answer is, well, I mean, you've destroyed the truth. You've required me to lie to not only myself, but to, to my children. You've decided to let a bunch of, of elites who don't understand or don't care to understand the basis of biology shape and mold how my children are educated. That's not about civility. That's about full-scale surrender. And anybody who believes the, the sleight of hand that's being played right now where we're calling for civility, but what we actually want is your surrender. Anybody who believes that all they want is a civil society from the very people who are out there shouting trans-genocide and the, and the very people who are out there saying you will respect us, right? There's a, a video from Jeffrey Marsh that crazed oh YouTube, uh, TikTok guy. He should be in jail for what he says on TikTok. Right. <laughs> when, 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 he, when, he's out, when he's out there saying, you will respect, he says, we are winning. You will respect us. He says, you, know, you, don't have to, you don't have to agree, you know, but you will respect us. Respect is not something that you demand. Respect is something that is earned yep. where I come yeah, from. That's exactly, and that, the problem is the conservatives will respond to that and say, well, yeah, we'll respect you, but we'll disagree with you. When our response should be, no, I won't respect you. That's correct. I don't respect you. I don't respect anything about you. And while, and while they, they do this whole civil, uh, you know, civility. civility thing, they, they're actually very effective, and I'm preaching this all the time. The, the left, they're very effective at using a tactic where no matter what you say, if they disagree with it, they treat it as not only wrong, but the craziest damn thing they've ever heard in their life. <laughs> Automatically. It's, the, it's, it's insane. It's stupid. It's you know, genocidal, whatever. Um, and that's actually effective because it makes people who are kind of on the fence or in the middle don't want to get involved. They say, well, I, okay, well, if you're treating it like that, then there must be something wrong here. Meanwhile, when we respond to them, what they're saying actually is the craziest damn thing we've ever heard. Right. And yet we lend it more legitimacy because we sit down and say, well, let's, uh, let's just have a civil dialogue about this and we'll listen to your point of view. No, our response, should, we should respond in a way that conveys the, you know, the, the insanity of, of what they're trying this to push. This is what I liked about DeSantis when he said, uh, also uh, 
what's her name, Sarah Sanders in Arkansas, when she said, we didn't start this war because this is the AOC thing. Like, your culture war stuff. You're, we want to come in and cut your children's... Why are you testicles. so obsessed yes, with, yeah. like, I don't know, why are... <laughs> <laughs> you, you, the libs go in, they castrate kids, they mutilate kids. We they say no crazy thank stuff. you. And that's yeah, we, we say like, hey, maybe don't do that. <laughs> so why are you so obsessed? Well, this is what I, I, I'm not sure I call it face tattoo syndrome, right? Where you go into the Starbucks and there's some weird guy with a face tattoo all over his face. And you're looking at him because he's got a face tattoo. He's like, what are you looking at? I say, well, I mean, it's your face tattoo. That's what I'm looking at. And like, well, why would you look at that? Because it's a tattoo on your face around your eye. That's why I'm looking. Now, because we mentioned AOC and the violence these people are threatening, I gotta listen. I just, <laughs> I just, just gotta asking ask. Questions. Uh, yeah. just I'm just asking, just asking questions. Just asking. Just asking. It, <laughs> it maybe is it possible that Congress lady Alexandria Ocasio Cortez called for the murder of Matt Walsh? I'm just asking. <laughs> no, it's possible. Now, now, what do we know about this this site? Okay, so this is uh, the the speculation on the internet right. is that this is Zaza Demon <laughs> at Zaza Smoka. Is a uh, <laughs> is AOC's burner account that she uses, and there are plenty of high-profile people that have burner accounts, and they and they use it, and they. Monsieur like, Delecto, one of the famous ones. Right. No. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, uh, and and so that's and there is there's some there's some inter I'll say there's interesting circumstantial evidence <laughs> out there that uh, that that is actually her burner account, and so people are looking now. And I think the, the most interesting piece of evidence is that when this claim was made, this is her burner account. The account was deleted right away. And my, my point is that if you're a, you know, just your average anonymous internet troll and people start thinking you're AOC's burner account, are you going to delete your account? Mm. That's the greatest opportunity ever for, a, for an anonymous internet troll. Deleted the account, so I don't know. But there are a lot of tweets from this uh, person, whoever it is, and one of them is wishing death on me. Here's what I'll say. I don't know if that's AOC or not, but according to their rules, even if it isn't, she must denounce this threat against my life or this, this, this death wish against me. Silence is violence. So no matter whether she did it or not, I still think she needs to denounce it. Okay, second question I have. Does Jeremy have to start a beer company? <laughs> he does, right? You can't no, let no. Bud Light get away with it. I don't know what first you guys all, want I, from us. It's three days before Passover. Yeah. Beer is made from leaven. Yeah. I can't. I'm sorry. I, it gives a whole new meaning to the words Bud Light, though. That's what I... <laughs> Bud Light and the loafers, if you yeah, ask Yeah, Bud Light and the loafers, uh, exactly. Yeah. Well, I mean, listen. First of all, Bud, listen, the, first of all, the, listen. The, the, the Bud beer, Light the is... beer is but, crap. Bud, Bud Light, it, it makes perfect sense. Bud Light is piss water masquerading as beer. And so they hired a man masquerading as a woman. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Exactly. <laughs> no, right? I mean, Bud, Bud Light is... It's trans beer. It's rainwater that's been sitting in a, in a tin bucket. That's what it takes. <laughs> now, listen, I, I was very lucky in that I've never cared that much for Bud Light. And my preferred uh, canned alcohol beverage is White Claw, which is already so gay. Yeah, I was going to say, does so, not so you are gay. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, is, it, it does show, again, just the power of the, the trans call. Because Bud Light, their audience, or their, uh, their customer base... It's frat boys who drink the stuff out of red cups and beer funnels, and then like fifty-five-year-old bikers. Like those are the only people. That <laughs> and if they're a baseball game and it's all they're selling. Yeah, yeah, but uh, that's pretty much right. None of these people are going to be attracted to Bud Light because Dylan Mulvaney's on the uh, on the can, well, the, and yet they do this. It thing. is an amazing thing. I mean, it truly is. Is that the the cultural elite have decided that they are going to change their audience? But it used to be that when you were in business, you typically marketed yes. to an, an audience. Yeah. Now the idea is that you are going to make your audience better people. And the way you're going to make your audience better people is by hiring influencers who do really, by the way, crappy imitations of women. Let's just be real about this. Dylan Mulvaney's imitation of a woman is horrible. It's a horrible, it's the most stereotypical garbage. Even in that little video right there that we just showed, 
Dylan Mulvaney says, hey, it's March Madness. And I didn't even know what March Madness was. I thought everybody was just really busy this month because no one, because women don't know what sports are. What is the sports ball? There's not a woman alive who knows what March Madness is. Okay, like, can, can we stop pretending this isn't a man making fun of women? It's a man making fun of women. Oh, it's, by it's, it's sexual blackface. Uh, it's, no it's, 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 it's ridiculous. Yeah. It's ridiculous. And so Bud Light doing this, and then they put out another can that talked about celebrate everyone's identity. That It said on the can, celebrate everybody's identity. Like, this is your corporate overlords who have decided that they are going to change you, that they don't like you, and they hate you, and they think that you're a bad person, but they, they also think that you're too stupid to take your money away from them, so you'll keep paying them to make garbage like this. And it's not, but, but like, it's infusing every area that conservatives previously thought was even quasi-safe, right? So, like, beer, that's, that's one where it's like, you know who drinks beer? Dudes. You know who drinks beer? Mostly, because just statistically, most dudes are straight dudes. So if you're going to look at like the demographic of people who drink beer, I'm going to go that Bud Light was probably a beer drunk by what? 75% straight dudes? Minimum? Yeah. Minimum? It's probably... 95%. 95%. Right. I was, I was going like, well, I was going real low. I'm, I'm thinking there might be some... have that bad taste. Yeah. Right, exactly. <laughs> I think they, maybe there's some girls at the frat parties yeah. also occasionally. <laughs> but the, but it's, And so they decided that they're going to slap their audience directly in the face. You know what's another one? So the Country Music Awards featured... Yep. A, a performance yes, of a Hank Williams Jr. song yeah. with a woman flanked by a bunch of drag queens at the Country Music Awards. Now, I have a question. The constituency for country music, is that really like a bunch of people who are super giant fans of drag? Is that who the constituency for country music is? Or is the constituency for country music typically red state Americans who vote Republican and go to church a lot? Like, this is not particularly hard, but the people at Country Music Awards have decided that this is the morality that they wish to purvey. It's the same reason the NHL decided. The NHL is like the whitest, most Republican league in America, just by audience numbers. That, that's just the fact. And they decided that they were going to push Pride Nights and LGBTQ, you know, giveaways at a hockey game. And then they were going to, you know, put it on their sticks. Like, this is a corporate elite who have decided that they are going to change the nature of the country and assume that because conservatives, again, are civil and because we don't care that much about this stuff, that we have better things to do, we have kids, we have things to do with our lives, that we'll just ignore it. And they figure that liberals will, will give them more fealty for doing this sort of stuff. Well, yeah, that, eventually conservatives are going to have to pull their heads directly out of their ass. But because, wait, but wait this, that all ended with the, them teaching it in the schools. Once they right. came after kids. See, this is the thing. You started out a few backstages ago where you said, how stupid do you have to be to alienate parents? I, I don't think, I, remember, the press has a talent and, a, and the power to convince us that things are happening in the country that aren't happening. Right. And so the, the, the real, this is going back to Trump, the real wild card is Trump. Because if you take him out of the equation, I don't think they have the votes to win dog catcher right now. I agree you, with you. You've, you, you gotta remember that when Barack Obama was president, everybody liked Barack Obama. He was a likable, he was a very talented politician, likable person, persona. They lost every office in the country. They had no people in the state in state government when he left office. They were, they, as a party, they were gone. But it's only just, Trump that brought them back. And then, by the way, that's, and that's with the most charismatic guy. Right now, there's yes. a dead man in the White House. That's right. But, does it, but here's, here's the, uh, the real pessimistic take, which is that it doesn't matter anyway. I mean, they, they can, I know they desperately want to win every single uh, presidential election, obviously, but they own the system, so they can lose a presidential election. We saw that with Trump. They, they, they you know, it was the end of the world. Trump was in office, and then he's and then he's out of office, and they undo whatever he did within about fifty seconds. Um, and so they, because because of this, because they can put a trans, uh, you know, uh, woman faced guy on a Bud Light can, that just shows the kind of cultural power that they have yep. and the way they run the system. So they they lose a presidential election doesn't really matter. Well, I mean, I, I know that we we the cope. 
the cope that we all need to stop uh, stop with as conservatives is we say, well, go woke, uh, go, go broke. broke. It's not true. Oh, but it doesn't God, yeah. happen. I mean, but here's, right. here's, here's the that's truth. Right. That's so Bud Light, they, they did something that's appealing to 0% of their audience and actually actively offends a large portion of the audience, of their customer base, rather. It will have no effect on them at all. They're still going to sell the cans because part of the problem is that, you know, because every single company is woke, we obviously can't boycott all of them. Um, but then, then we settle on, well, let's boycott none of them, and then we just continue on with our Well, consumer. part of the problem here also is that, and, and this is a problem of size, is that the people who have the most systemic advantage in avoiding go woke, go broke, are the biggest companies. Meaning that, right. for example, I, I would look into starting Jeremy's beer, right? I mean, we would look into that. The problem is that you need thousands of retail spots in order to sell it. You can't ship beer over state lines, right? There, there, there are various state and local regulations about shipping alcohol over state lines. It's spoken and like so, a guy who considered it. <laughs> you yeah. can tell there is some kind of. And so, and so the, and so what, what this means is that because they are already established in this space, it's very difficult to go up against them. Like we, we, we can launch a chocolate company literally overnight. We can launch a razor company real, literally overnight, and that will actually throw a scare into many of these companies. But there are some companies that don't actually have to be scared because the amount of lift that you have to do to even compete with them yeah. is so large, well, and it is the biggest can, corporation. This is this is really important. And I, I was talking to Knowles before the show about the fact that now that the Daily Wire is what it is, a lot of people in the conservative media space are criticizing us, and they and they it's typical of conservatives, right? If you do something and you're successful at it, instead of imitating it, instead of trying to beat it, they come after you and they start criticizing. And so a lot of people are saying, "Oh, what is this thing with you know Jeremy's chocolates with Jeremy's razors? You know, why are you wasting?" your time and misdirecting things like this. But really, you know, I, when I think about it, in some ways, Trump is the Jeremy's razors of candidates because it's a story. We're, te- we're storytellers. We're telling a story. The story is not that we're going to take down Harry's razors by starting a razor company because we're not that company, right? The story is this is how you do it. You can do this. A, a company could build a chocolate company, a beer company, a razor company that was dedicated to that and take them out like that. But they won't do it. The conservatives will not do it. They, there's something about them where they just are afraid. Well, we're, we're longing for we're longing for a time that no longer is. Well, that, that's true. Well, that's true too. Right? I mean, we're, that, we're longing for but, a time but the, when you could just buy beer and not have to worry about who the spokesperson right, was. Right, but 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 if you and we keep saying why won't things actual, go back to normal? And the answer is, if you were an actual beer maker who was willing to say, I'm not going to do because we're not beer makers, we're not chocolate makers. That's not yeah. what we're we're doing. This is a story we're telling. This is how you do it. We're giving instructions basically. And you know, one of the most important parts when when you are telling a story is you need to make sure that you look good. And sure, you could go to Brazil or Colombia and get crazy stuff done to your face to look younger. But why would you do that when you could just use Genucel? <laughs> People are raving about Genucel products. Claire, for instance, said, quote, I absolutely love Genucel. My skin feels so good, tighter and younger with a more even tone. Rrr. I've only been using it for a week. Jim writes, my wife loves it. Ever since I purchased it for her, things got much more interesting after dark. Enough said. Uh, that is enough said, Jim. Nothing works like Genucel. It is a family recipe that's been perfected over 20 years by a compounding pharmacist who works in small batches and with only safe, natural, cruelty-free ingredients. He's got a great story. Coptic Christian fled Egypt, came over here for the American dream. Great guy. With warmer weather just around the corner and our friends at Genucel are including two springtime essentials in their most popular package, the Ultra Retinol and Dark Spot Corrector. Ultra Retinol contains a powerful retinol alternative that is safe for your skin. Their Dark Spot Corrector will help reduce sunspots. Plus, you'll still get Genucel's world-class under-eye bag therapy to help alleviate puffiness. Genucel promises immediate effects. You will see results 
in 12 hours, guaranteed, or your money back. I absolutely love it. I am a very attractive man, if I say so myself. I've got supple, oily, southern Italian skin, and GenuCell helps to preserve that oiliness and swarthiness. Try GenuCell's most popular package for 70% off at GenuCell.com backstage. All orders are upgraded to free shipping, and every subscription order includes a complimentary spring spa box with three spa essentials. That is three free gifts plus free shipping. That's four free gifts by my count. Go to GenuCell.com backstage, GenuCell.com slash backstage. I, I have to make a point here that as a former wannabe actor, he knows how to hold a tray like a waiter. <laughs> <laughs> That's the most important part of acting training, actually. Yeah, exactly. You put the little coat on and you say, sir, red or white? Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. So you, I, I totally agree on that point. You've got to be able to tell that story. I agree with your point and Alan's point on the whole narrative of the election. You know, it's kind of is yeah. just about Trump right now. But the question then is, I've, I've long lo- loved the idea of, well, let's defer to the free market. You know, it'll all work out and everything. But isn't the Dylan Mulvaney Bud Light sponsorship, is that not an indictment of the free market? <laughs> yes, yes. Well, no, come on. I, I've been saying this for all this yeah. time is that the values come first. This is, this is actually, to me, <laughs> where the trans movement comes from is the idea that the market is all there is. Mm. Adam Smith before he talked about free markets, talked about sensibility. And he said this was a thing that is outside the market, our ability to identify with one another and to, you know, to feel for one another. It, it, that part, of, he said that was his best book. Uh, I can't theory of moral sentiments. The, the theory yeah. of moral sentiments, right. He said that was his important book. And we have forgotten that. Not only have we forgotten it, we've overruled it, basically. We've allowed the left to overrule it and say there is no place where the market doesn't reach and we can market each other's, um, you know, yeah, so, love lives and, and inner, inner lives, and we can't. Capitalism is not a holistic system. That's right. Anybody, so I hear people sometimes say two cheers for capitalism, right? The <laughs> yeah. idea being there are problems with capitalism. Okay, it's not a problem with capitalism. It's a failure of the society that provided the predicate for capitalism in the first exactly. place. Exactly. Okay, so saying that, that capitalism has failed is somewhat like saying that your plunger didn't solve world hunger. That's right. Like that's, that, that's not what it's for. Capitalism is there to make products m- more plentiful and cheaper. That, that is what capitalism exists to do. And, it works. and, that's, and, it's, and it is completely neutral on the values. It, it, capitalism will supply you drugs in the same way that it will provide you a Bible. Like they, they, there's, there's absolute values neutrality when it comes to capitalism. With that said, the, the, there is not values neutrality to the system that undergirds capitalism. And this is what we're about to find out. Is that you, if, if, This is why libertarianism ends up being wrong. Because in the end, if you undermine all of the values that underlie capitalism, namely any level of social trust, if you undermine social trust, familial dynamism, all these things, capitalism collapsed in on itself like a dying star. There's sort of a water in which capitalism was allowed to, to be created and breed. And when you toxify that water, capitalism too will die. That's not, a, that's not a flaw in capitalism per se. It's a flaw in the societal systems that were exposed to a certain extent by capitalism. The best version of this argument is made by Robert Nisbet, the sociologist in the 40s and 50s. Um, he wrote, wrote a book called The Quest for Community. And basically the argument that he makes is that the Industrial Revolution because it had removed people from kinship networks and brought them into major cities and turned them into individual economic units as opposed to familial economic units, had separated them off from what would have been the virtuous system in which capitalism totally, could thrive. Totally right? Which, which, by the way, I tend to agree with. I mean, the idea is that for me, and I think for all of us, the reason that you earn is not because you're an individual economic unit and you don't purchase products as an individual economic unit. You do it as a member of a family. Right? My family unit does really well because I'm out there earning. And what that means is that my wife doesn't have to work as much because she's investing a lot of time with the kids. Right? This is why... You wouldn't say that a woman who's a stay-at-home mom is economically unsuccessful. 
She's part of a family unit, right? I mean, this is why communism exists inside the household when it comes to economic sharing of resources. I've, I've said this before. Economically, I'm a communist in my own house. I have a joint bank account with my wife, even though we do not earn remotely the same amount of money. And when it comes to my local community, I'd say I'm more of a democratic socialist because I know all of my neighbors, and so I know what the rules are, and I'm willing to give a lot of money to my neighbors to help them out because they live within these boundaries of rules. And then as you abstract up the chain, I'm more and more of a laissez-faire libertarian because you don't abide by my rules, so why should I pay you to not be a part of my community? It doesn't make any sense to me. With that said... I think that the, the mistake that can be made is to expect, on the one hand, everything of capitalism, and on the other hand, to blame capitalism for the failures of the durability of institutions that need to be rebuilt no, but from the ground wait, up. Capitalism wait. can be of incredible service if you have family values, and if those family values are, are work in concert with cap I don't think they're mutually exclusive. No, I think I the overread, that capitalism but, undermines family values is too much of an overread. You're mistaking my argument, though, because I, I agree. I'm not, I, I'm not, I'm not oh, saying that that's okay. your argument, but Cause, yes. Because, I mean, you're absolutely right about this, that it's not the fault of capitalism. It is the fault of Republicans or conservatives or whatever who said that capitalism and markets were going to save everything. Right. That, that's the fault. It's also the, they, fa it's also the fault of, of individuals. I, I don't want to yes. let the individual off the hook. Going back to the Bud Light example. There's no reason at all why we can't bankrupt Bud Light overnight. If, if every person who identifies as conservative or at least isn't on board with this stuff just said, I'm not going to buy that shit anymore because I, like, you could sacrifice it and it would mean nothing to your life whatsoever. And if everyone did that, or even if 40% of people did that, they would take such a hit that they would have to come crawling on their knees begging for forgiveness. There's no reason why we can't do that. We just don't. And by, by the way, and, I think... And, that, one of the points... Some of this is we had to take some lessons from the left on some of the things. Mm -hmm. We talked about this before, but some of the methods that they use and the, the, the tone that they use, we can direct it in the, in, in the right direction. And so one thing the left is very good at is they pick targets and they gang up on them and they make an example of them. The left's very good at making examples mm -hmm. of people. And we need to do that. I, I think a lot of conservatives don't have, the, they, they don't have the stomach for that, but we need to find victims and make examples mm -hmm. of them. Maybe Bud Light's not the one because they're a big target, but... Some other company no, that, goes the woke, that goes the woke direction, we say, you know what, we're making this company our project. We're going we're gonna to take you down and destroy you and, uh, and to make an example well, of I you. I think going and after the, go the big guys is the, the way, right it, thing because if we go after, you know, you go after Dylan Mulvaney, who is egregious because it is sexual blackface, but, but still, he's just an individual. He's just a, a mentally ill individual. You know, why, why should we go after him? We should go after the big companies. Well, I mean, I would say both. I said we go after, I said we make an example of Dylan Mulvaney. <laughs> but, but, but that's the point. But, but I, I, also, I also think that he, you know, on the individual level, given that he's like a mascot for this stuff, he, be, he does become a legitimate target of criticism um, public figure. We, he's a public figure. We're all public right. figures. We're all targets of criticism. Mm, I'm not against. I'm not against. Not, but what, so why don't why don't why don't we do that? Why don't so we, I think so. Here's one reason, and I think this is a, a really important thing. We on the right tend to let the perfect be the enemy of the good. What I mean by that is that we will say, okay, I'm not going to buy Bud Light tomorrow. I'm just going to buy Heineken. Okay, and then somebody will say, well, Heineken in 2015 sent yeah. a tweet that was a pro-trans tweet. I'll be like, oh my god, I can't believe that I just bought Heineken. Not the same thing. Mm, right. This is not about rewarding Heineken if you need a beer tonight. It's about punishing Bud Light. <laughs> right? and, the, and, and so I think that we need yeah. to be very careful about this because what we very often end up doing, like, well, all the companies are doing this. Yes, but they're not all doing it equally. They're not all making the face of their company this. Yeah. Right? The, the one who made the face of their company this and it is doesn't matter. Bud Light. It doesn't, it doesn't matter if they're, they're all doing all the it. We're going after you. We're making an example. I, I totally agree with this. <laughs> they're an example. The, the left, this is, this yeah. is you know, they're going to target you and take you down, not because they think you're actually the worst person in the world, but just because you're the person in the crosshairs, and they, they've decided to make you their and that, project. And, and it uh, t tells other people that this will happen. Right, to you. it's a warning. And, and you yeah. know what? I think it actually worked somewhat with the NFL. 
I mean, I, I who love football, I wait for the football season. I watch football every, every week. You know, I stopped watching. I just stopped watching when they did the Colin Kaepernick thing. They're not doing that anymore, you know? I mean, and, and when, when you get somebody who, like, really loves something to give it up, You've made a mistake. I can't have been the only person who did that. No, I, I, did, I did that also. I did that yeah. with MLB for a couple of yeah. years after they did the Black Lives Matter routine in 2020. Me too. Uh, they I, stopped doing it. Another, here's a, to give ourselves a little pat on the back, here's a good example of this working, Vanderbilt in, in, mm-hmm. uh, in Nashville. Like, that's a good example. There's, there's hundreds of hospitals that are doing this stuff. We picked, here's this one hospital where it's happening. It's not the worst example, but it's an example, and it's really bad. And so we're going to shut you down. And we did. And then that becomes, that does have, now obviously there are many hospitals that are still doing it, but it does have a little bit of a domino effect. So it, this just shows that the strategy does work. Well, I mean, it's pure Linsky, right? I mean, Linsky literally said that what you do is you pick a target, you personalize it, you polarize it. Right. Right. And so the, the idea that that's an ineffective tactic, the left has been doing this for literally decades. I mean, and, this, this was their program. And also this idea that we're always losing is false. I mean, DeSantis just signed a uh, Constitutional carry, constitutional carry and universal which, school vouchers, by the way, which makes which makes the majority of states constitutional carry states. It's 26 when, now, right? What's that? It's 26 yeah. states. It's, yeah. so, Honestly, yeah. I think I think the more important law that he signed is the universal school voucher program in Florida. Right. You, you now get an eight thousand dollar credit per child per year. Yeah. To we, send your kid anywhere you want to send your kid in the state of Florida. I'm just saying we win. We win a lot, you know, especially on the state level. Well, when you focus on winning. Yes. Okay, so this is back to my, my, my unpopular point. <laughs> oh, you're maybe, obsessed with the winning now. Maybe we should win. Maybe we should actually focus on the winning as opposed to the pissing and oh, moaning. You. There's something very satisfying about the pissing and moaning. There really is, like especially in a time where it feels like you're doing something by by pissing and moaning. Yeah. But that's not actually a substitute for, for victory. It turns out there is no substitute for victory. Victory is the thing that we actually require. And, you know, Drew, before you're talking about, you know, we get ripped because we are, you know, now a large company. Well, one of the reasons we're a large company is because the people who subscribe to this company know that we win victories. They know that Matt is By the way, one, signing in Mississippi where they're banning mutilation of children. One thing okay. that, that happens when you subscribe to this company and you become a Daily Wire member is you get to ask questions over at the member block, which we will be heading into in about 10 minutes. So get your questions in because, you know, I love Jeremy. He's one of my very best friends. He's the god king of this company. But he always says he wants to churn through a thousand questions and do a speed round. And then we always just debate (laughs) marriage for like six hours. And so we are going to get through a lot of questions. Make sure you become a member right now. If you're not a member, if you're part of the hoi polloi out there, you're just freeloading. You don't want to get head on over to dailywire.com. Become a member right now. We will be taking your questions, though not quite yet. I interrupted you. When, when When it comes to victory... The, the way that you win a political victory is you make the other side the subject of the conversation. Right. This is the real problem right now with, with what's happening with Trump. If the subject of the conversation is Trump, Republicans are going to lose. If the subject of the conversation is how the Democrats are literally from the White House promoting the idea that the bravest people alive are quote-unquote trans kids who are not, in fact, trans kids. These are kids who, at most, are kids ver- virtually always with gender confusion exacerbated by their parents who are using them as tools so that they can be more popular Child on the social certain. media accounts. You know, when the idea that's being pushed by the White House, how is that not the central issue in any election? That has to be the central the issue. Banks are election. failing, the inflation is out of control. By the way, that Chinese spy balloon, remember? The yeah. one that wasn't a Chinese spy balloon? It was a, <laughs> it was a, it was Chinese, a Chinese spy, spy balloon. balloon. I know. Right now, NBC News is reporting, I don't know if you saw this story, mm-hmm. that, that they were sending contemporaneous electronic signals back to China as you would because... For God's sake, everyone's had a cell phone on the planet for the last 25 years. Of course it was. And they were sending back actual spy information about the location of America's military assets for like a week as it floated over the country. And Joe Biden made excuses about how he couldn't shoot it down unless it hit a cow in Montana. And then he shot it down off the coast. And, and they said at the time, there's nothing happening. 
We've protected everything. Everything's fine. And then it turns out it's a lie. By the way, on foreign affairs, we just got the announcement today that Saudi Arabia is going to be leading OPEC and Russia to cutting yes. the oil yes. production yeah. by a million barrels a day and maybe more next month, which I know that we're supposed to say history doesn't repeat itself, but it does rhyme. And I didn't live through the Carter years. I did. But you this, did. Is, this is so much like the Carter this years. Is, it's, it's just a repeat, yeah. isn't yeah. it? Yeah, it's frightening. And, and now now Carter is, is dying and people are saying, well, was he really that bad? Yeah. No, he, he was. was a terrible president. And, and you know, th- this is, it's like somebody said to me, Rich Minitzer, a great uh, journalist, really bright guy. He said to me, this is the tuition you have to pay to learn that socialism does this to your country. And so every generation has to do it again. You know, this, this is what changed my mind. In the 70s, I was broke. In the 80s, I started to make money. I thought like, oh, this is better. You know, <laughs> oh, oh, look, and there goes the Berlin Wall, just like that old guy said, you know, it's yeah. falling down now. You know, after a while, you start to learn some things work, some don't. Because, you know, I, I often look at the macro political picture and I look at these historical trends. And so I don't focus so much on this politician or this president. I think, oh, this is the way it's been trending for 50 or 500 years. And that can make you forget that individual presidential administrations really can matter. I mean, oh, yeah. I, think, yeah. I think about the overruling of Roe v. Wade in the last presidential administration. That was actually consequential. And then I look at, in this administration, how quickly everything is going wrong. 44% of Americans apparently are working a second job right now. 63% or yeah. somewhere thereabouts are, desire to have a second job. The, the inflation is killing everybody. Our energy is through the roof. We're on the brink of World War III. That happened in two years. Yeah, it's amazing. It's amazing how quickly they did. Well, and, and, and by the way, and I know it's beating a dead horse. This is why if you the next president should know what the hell he's doing. <laughs> like whoever gets in there, I, I know the, these are these are now underrated qualities. Wouldn't it be nice if the person got in actually knew how to staff an administration and then was able to pr- affect permanent change? So there's a list that came up on Twitter recently of here's all the things that Donald Trump has done. It was from 2020 and it was great. It was a list of just a wonderful amount of things. Literally every one of those things has been reversed except for the Roe v. Wade bit. That's a pretty big one though. But I'm not denigrating that. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm saying that wouldn't it be nice if all the other things yeah. had actually had some sort of lasting effect? And the only way that you can do that is with efficiency and knowing what you are doing and staffing and firing people and actually and, changing and, and over. And passing laws instead of these stupid EOs. Over. Right, exactly. I mean, like anything, if, if you wish to effectuate political change, that's going to require actual power. And the way that you actually get power is by, number one, winning elections, by, number two, actually using those elections in order to change the staffing of the executive branch, and, number three, by actively gaining power in areas of culture and the economy. And not, and, and not and, mistreating people so that they won't vote along with you when you actually need your to pass a law. Right. I mean, again, like anytime the opposition is the issue, the opposition loses. Anytime yeah. we are the issue, we lose. It's right. really not that difficult. Right. The math is not that tough. Yep. Make it easy for independents to vote for Republicans and Republicans will win. Make it very difficult and Republicans will lose. That's exactly what happened in 2016. In 2016, it was easier to vote. It was, it was still not super easy to vote for Trump. It was easier to vote for him than Hillary. Independents broke two to one for Trump in 2016. In 2020, they broke two to one for Biden. So if it's a rematch, do you think they're going to break two to one for Trump again? Can I, can I, I don't want to be the down person on this. You know, usually I'm the more hopeful one and Ben is the down person. Yeah, that's true. But a friend of mine who will remain nameless suggested that we might have a real structural problem, not just from 2020, but 2024 and for the foreseeable future, which is Democrats are very, very good, especially with the new rules of mass mail-in ballots and all the rest of it. They're very good at ballot harvesting. So the answer to that is always, well, we Republicans just need to get better at ballot harvesting. Okay, except their voters are in a handful of cities, very densely populated areas. Our voters are spread out throughout the country in all of the rural areas that, that we just 
can't do it. It's not geographically possible. Please, someone, give me a little bit of hope that I'm wrong. Well, I think, Florida. Yeah, well, Florida's your hope. All the, all, the, all the cities in Florida. Miami is, is slightly, slightly, like, almost red now. Um, but Fort Lauderdale is very, very blue. Um, I believe Jacksonville is blue. But didn't um, Florida but, have an influx, you know, like a million conservative voters or something like yeah, that? Yeah, it turns uh, out good governance is a pretty good solution. No, but also, I, but also yeah. it happens to be that the Florida Republican Party, they've run that thing like clockwork. I mean, they, they, they really have the, 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 like DeSantis said months in advance, I don't like mail-in balloting. Go vote right, right now by mail. Everybody that I know voted early in the last election, including me, mm. everyone. Right. Every every right winger in Florida was was leaping to get to the ballot box just so that their vote would be counted, but this is, which is what Republicans need to do everywhere. But if you can vote early, go vote early. If you and, can mail in ballot, possible. mail in ballot, like go do all these things. By the way, this this happened in California, too. In California in 2020, there were a bunch of districts in Orange County that were supposed to go red and they went blue because of all of the ballot harvesting. And by 2022, Republicans had sort of figured it out. And a lot of those counties then started to go red again. And so Republicans were able to minimize their losses or retain seats where they weren't going to before. So I, I don't buy the idea that it's all about, you know, schlubs who are driving around with their cars and that's really what's going to make the difference in the elections. The biggest thing is stop dissuading your voters from voting. Stop and, it. And it's also, stupid. also build. No, but I, I, I agree. I Completely agree with that. And I, I don't agree with this guy, your friend, mm. because I think that Republicans have not historically built organizations. And you can build organizations even if your voters are spread out. New York is a perfect example. There is no Republican Party in New York. There's only individual Republicans who rise. And when they rise, as we saw last yeah. time with Lee Zeldin, you, know, you can take people up with you, but they don't build parties. They're always individual. Well, and, 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 and that's not about, the way to do how it. How about build a party that actually wants to win elections? So yeah. here I'm speaking to you, uh, oh, Arizona Republican on, Party. <laughs> how about Arizona Republican Party? How about you get your head out of your colon and start trying to focus in on who can win an election? How about that? And maybe how, fix the voter machines in America. Okay. Listen, uh, that's, that's all fine and good. <laughs> yeah. And also, how about you nominate? Like, that's fine with me. Yeah. Good. Clean up everything. Also, run candidates who can win elections. This is not, why are we pretending that this is rocket science? It's not rocket science. Somehow, Katie Hobbs, who has all the charisma of a wet sponge, became governor of that state. Yeah. And that was not because of voter fraud. I'm sorry it wasn't. Yeah. yeah. It was, like, a it, lot of questions about the voting machines in America. Okay, it's all let, me, let me put it this way. No, if, you're spending every election, if you spend every election cycle from now until the end of time complaining about the voting machines, this means you're losing an awful lot. Yeah, but can't you? You can, you can also focus on cleaning that up a little bit. I already right? said, I mean, go for it. Absolutely. Have at it, man. Absolutely. Go for it. You should. That's all fine. That's dandy. Also, run good candidates in areas that make it easier to vote for the candidates. At least, at the very least, at, when you wake up the next morning and you've lost, you'll say it wasn't the candidate. How about that? How about run candidates where you don't wake up the next morning and go, man, we probably shouldn't have nominated Don Baldick in New, in New Hampshire. <laughs> like, like, this let, is me, not let me ask you, you whippersnapper something. When, when people online, when people on Twitter and social media are coming on and saying, Ben will say this, and some there'll be people who come on and say, "No, you don't understand. They stole the election, and we have to go back and litigate that election until we die." You know, are those left wingers? I think some of them are. Some of them are. Not all of them, though. Yeah, some of them are me. No, I'm. <laughs> I don't know. I don't think we should relitigate old elections, but I, I do think we need to be pretty clear-eyed about this, which is that. There are shenanigans in every election, and sometimes there are significant shenanigans. And when you shut the country down for a year and no, you change all the election no rules, question, you know, it's more like... Hugh Hewitt wrote a book back in like 2007. And he said, when, uh, the title of the book was something like, this isn't the exact title, but it was, Win by Enough They Can't Steal It. Right. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Right? How about that? How about that? How about stop, stop pretending that like 
if you lose by 6 million votes instead of 7 million votes, we'll eke out a victory. How about we actually go for just straight up win? Yeah, it's like, uh, we were talking about the NFL before. The uh, analogy is, is everyone knows after a game, the side that's complaining about the refs is the right. side Correct. that exactly. lost. That's right. But it's also true that in the NFL, they got a problem with the refs. They have a lot of really bad refs. <laughs> no, you're right. So you have to do both, but at the same time, you don't want to put yourself in a position where you have to be the one complaining about the damn refs. Right. So that's you know, a similar thing here. Again, they're giving, it's such a target-rich environment that the fact that we even have to argue over this stuff is, is completely insane to me. Yeah. I mean, if, if you look at the polls of the American people on how many Americans actually think a man can be a woman, it's minuscule. Yeah. That number is really, really... That's low. how they phrased the, the poll, though, we discovered. Oh, really? Like, yeah, uh, I mean, it, it, it's, the trans activists will pass around these polls and say, look, 60% are, are uh, in favor of gender-affirming care, that sort of thing. But you have to... Well, right, because gender-affirming care is the biggest crap you've exactly, yeah. in human history. <laughs> gender-affirming care, sex-denying care. How about we... This is always the greatest thing about euphemisms. The minute you explicitly state what is happening, they censor you yeah. because there is literally no way to explain what gender-affirming care is without talking about full-on destructive mutilation of people. Well, and there's also the phenomenon that Steven Pinker talks about of the euphemism treadmill, which is why they always have to change yes. the, the words and the phrases. I beat Stephen Pinker. I talked about this years before Stephen Pinker. Did you really? <laughs> yes, absolutely. Well, so there's this plagiarist named Stephen Pinker who talks about <laughs> the, the, the <laughs> And the idea is that when there's something that is bad and, and or something that people don't really like, then you will use a new euphemism to make it sound a little bit better. But the, the underlying reality colors that euphemism. And so at a certain point, you just have to cycle through the euphemism. Yes. And then, and then the, but the advantage to them is that as they cycle through the euphemisms, the euphemism that's like two euphemisms back becomes the one that <laughs> the other side uses yeah, because they yeah. think. So a good example is for you know this this I, f I forget what what firm it was, but they put this poll out. The trans activists were celebrating it, and it was something like sixty percent support gender affirming care. And obviously, those sixty percent are people who most of them don't even know what that means. Right. They just they hear well, gender affirming sounds good. <laughs> well. It says people people responded with I think it was a Rasmussen poll, and they said, well, look at this poll. It shows the numbers are flipped because they phrased the question honestly. And it did show the numbers flipped. It was 60% against. But the, the, the question they posed was, do you support sex change surgeries for minors? Which is a more honest question. But even that is a euphemism. Because you can't change because sex. Because you can't change sex. So, so, but, right. but that becomes they, now the honest way of phrasing it. When it's, when it that was just the euphemism they used in the 90s. Correct. If, if the question so, were, do you support cutting the penises off of minors? Right. <laughs> the answer would be 0% plus Joe Biden. Yeah. Or do you support ke uh, uh, chemically castrating and sterilizing kids? Oh, there's got to be a couple yeah. of serial killers who go for that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Right. Are you in favor of carving a fake vagina into the flesh of a man? Yes, I am. I but is, isn't this why they win? I mean, I actually do think this is why there was blowback to my speech at CPAC is because I think the libs thought they had won the transgender issue and that now we were only going to debate, do you trans the kids at eight or do you wait until they turn nine? And what I called for is, no, it's just... It's just not true. That's not how human nature works. And so we, we should have a clear view of human nature. And, you know, it's not five-year-olds going into the women's bathroom, except with their mothers at an airport or something. Yeah. You know, it's 25-year-olds and 35-year-olds. And we just have to decide. Maybe we're going to live in a country where men who identify as women get to use the women's bathroom. But what that necessarily means is that women no longer get their own bathrooms. Or we're going to live in a society where women get their own bathrooms. But that necessarily means that men who identify as women don't get to go into those bathrooms. How are we going to, how are we going to relitigate that? Because I, I think there are a lot of conservatives who say, ah, I just, you know, I don't, you do you, I do me. I don't want to, I don't want to touch that kind of stuff. Yeah, Let's just talk about the kids. Talk about the kids. Yeah, I, I, I totally agree with you. That's, that's part of the, you know, I, I, I think it's a good strategy right now 
I mean, the most the most urgent moral issue when it comes to this are are the kids. The fact that they're doing this to kids, it, it's it, it's even it's all the more grotesque. And the trans kid but, is the new idol of the right. left, right? But but to me, it's also an incremental thing. Like let's let's deal with this. Let's ban this. We ha- we we have a, we have a lot of momentum there. Yeah. Uh, but it doesn't. As far as I'm concerned, it's it's not like after that's done, if it is done, it doesn't obviate the argument. Yeah. Right. And, and right. Also, it also, I I also believe, and I've always said, I don't think. The doctor should be doing this to anyone. It's like, obviously, it should not, it's not okay for a doctor. Obviously, it's not okay to do it to a 15-year-old. It's also not okay to do this to a 35-year-old. You got a 35-year-old walking in there who's clearly confused. I mean, if somebody's asking to have their, their penis filleted to create a fake vagina, uh, that is that, that, that is a horrible image. <laughs> just, well, that's what it is. That's what it is. <laughs> just went blind. What a, what a verb. But, yeah, you, you can't even say it out loud without, without cringing. So that just shows that someone asked for that. It already is, is clear they're in some kind of mental distress. So for a doctor to say, yeah, I'll do that for you if you pay me X amount of money, is, is obviously metal, medical mal- malpractice. And, and the, the female issue. I, to me, women are at the core of this. I mean, more and more women are waking up and finding out that the sexual revolution really left them out in the cold, that feminism has really denied them their own identity, yep. that the idea that men shouldn't have their own private clubs now means that women can't even have their own sports, you know, things that... You, it's interesting that the trans gender movement is more and more becoming a question of men pretending to be women. There's not that many, you don't see a lot of women pretending to be men joining men's sports. I mean, that's just not <laughs> happening, right? <laughs> well, so, no, no, it, it, so, but this is, this is a, a feminist, I hate to use the word because I'm so opposed to feminism, but it is a feminine issue. The idea that women don't exist may be the single most offensive idea in the history of offensive ideas. <laughs> the idea that 50% of this country is, does not exist as who they are. And because men have big mouths and because we're the guys who do the talking so much much of the time these women are being drowned out i mean they're being beaten up in new zealand by guys pretending to be women and and the police stand by and do nothing well it was it was just women's history month and yeah. all the big yeah. awards during women's history you month know, went to men how incredibly offensive is that you know i mean it's like and and we who are men who love women who have women that we love in our lives you know we have to understand that this is an assault on them this is a genuine uh, attack on the fact that they exist it's an attack on gay people. You know, gay right. people who are people who like the same gender now no longer exist. The, the assault goes up for both sides because actually, it's actually, it, it, that's one of the interesting parts of this phenomenon is that is that uh, when it comes to the adults that are going into the sports and the, the locker rooms, that does focus on men who identify as trans. But adolescents, you know, 12 through right. 18, uh, that's almost all girls. Right. You know, that, that, yeah, I don't know what the numbers are exactly, but it's vast majority are girls. Right. And then I, I, don't, I don't know if there are numbers on this, but it seems to me anyway that if you go younger and you're talking about five and six-year-old trans, trans kids, so often it seems to be boys. So... That's an interest. It's like it's it goes. It's boys, and then and then when well, you get to adolescence years, it's almost all girls. Because it's, it's rapid onset gender dysphoria when they're adolescent, right? It's yeah. everybody using social media, and it's all these girls right. who are feeling very insecure and right. feeling uncomfortable in their own bodies as they as they go into puberty, and so they are going online and figuring out that the reason that they're feeling uncomfortable in their own body is because they're actually a member of the opposite sex. I mean, this is pretty well documented by Lisa yeah. Lipman and also by Abigail Schreier, and the, the the I mean, this this all makes sense. Listen, what this is, is a push for androgyny. Right, when right. you push for androgyny, the victims are men and women. Right? Because <laughs> but everybody else is fine. Right, every, every, everyone else. <laughs> and androgyny is the end. So the, the cold biblical comfort that I take from all of this is that a society that does this is going to not exist yes, in generations. Yes, that, that and so we comfort. can all argue about it and we can all fight back against it, but let's, let's be real about this. 
this is not a society that, can, that is either durable or can reproduce itself just on a pure kind of numerical level. Right. It's just not going to happen. Right. I mean, it's literally a, a movement that sterilizes people. So right. the, the, the danger, of course, is on the individual level of ideological grooming in the schools, people taking advantage of your kid and wrecking your kid. Right. But on a civilizational level, no, there's, it, there's no durable civilization that's right. that can be rooted in anything remotely like this. Yeah. Which, which, so again, that, that's cold comfort because when you actually love the civilization, we'd like to see the civilization preserved and you're watching all of its key tenets undermined. But, but I, I would also add though that, that you know, just, just like birth control changed the sexual landscape, pretty soon they're going to have mechanical wombs. And if women don't establish that they are in fact a thing, a, an actual thing, they're going to be obsolete. And I think that that's a, a really frightening future because it's not a human future. And I think that I'm I'm all for solving the problems of humanity as long as we don't solve humanity in the process. You know, I think <laughs> the problem of yeah, humanity. Yeah, exactly. I think humanity is worth preserving. And I think this is something that's coming down right. the pike. I mean, again, I'll, I'll, I'm I'll, leaving town before you guys have to deal so with this. I'll, I'll be the again. I'll be the the pessimistic optimist okay. about all of this, which is that's a very expensive process, and the people who want kids are very limited in Western society right now. Yeah, the number of people who are willing to put up tens of thousands of dollars to mechanically create a child in a fake womb. Uh, it turns out, you know, it's a really cheap, easy, and fun way to make babies. <laughs> you know, it, it turns out there's a really a really great way that mammals have been doing it for legitimately all of history. And uh, and it's it's affordable for everyone, as it turns out, and way more enjoyable. And, uh, I and, remember and all the rest of the civilizations will be doing exactly that thing as they reproduce, reproduce us out of existence. Right. What, what, back in 2012, I remember the potential uh, 2012 presidential candidate, Mitch Daniels, I, I asked him once, I said, how can we beat the liberals? And he said, well, there's two ways you can out-argue them or outbreed them, and the latter is more fun. So one thing that people have been <laughs> suggesting is that one option is we just sort of head out to our own communities. We the Benedictine option. The Benedictine right, right, option. Right, and yeah, that's right, what we're right. about to do here right now. <laughs> we're about to leave all of you hoi polloi out there who aren't shelling out a few bucks to uh, become Daily Wire members. We're going to hang out with our very favorite Daily Wire members. If you're not a member, it's not too late. You can do it right now. Go to dailywire.com, subscribe, get the absolutely best top-tier creme de la creme membership, and we will see you over there. We'll be taking your questions momentarily.